Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of November 28th, the first Sunday in Advent, my favorite time of year. The Irish are 11-1, having defeated the Cardinal of Stanford University. Everyone still may or may not be hungover from Turkey, um, or maybe Fireball if you were tailgating this weekend. And college football is at the height of its excitement as we wait with anticipation for the college football playoff standings. But it's the season of Advent, which is a time of waiting and anticipation. So the college football playoff final standings fits in perfectly with that. And you know, this is my favorite time of year. Uh, but how are you? Tell me about your Thanksgiving and your weekend. Okay. Um, so I know that you love Advent, Haley. I don't know that I knew it was your favorite time of year. So when you say that, you mean like literally time of year, like this this month of December or like the church season? Um, so I want to get back to that, but just to give an outline for what we're going to talk about today, we'll talk about your favorite time of year. Yeah, I'll talk about my experience at the Notre Dame Stanford game on their campus and just a, a short little message on um, mascots. Um, I want to ask a question for you and our audience about decorations, which I know is a big tradition in your home, but also in the church. We'll talk about the Sunday's gospel, the first Sunday in Advent, and um, maybe a resource if people are not familiar with sacred spaces of Notre Dame, a great way to prepare for Advent. So, okay, before we talk about that game, um, which I contend was a great win, but not a great game. So I'll make a distinction about that in a minute, Haley. You, it's your favorite time of year. So it's the most wonderful time of year is what the lyrics say, right? But mm-hmm. talk to me about that. Yeah, so that's interesting that you ask, is it my favorite time of year or my favorite time of the liturgical year? So I guess in some ways it's both. Um, I love this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I love Advent. Um, I think in many ways, and this would tie into it being, you know, my favorite part of the liturgical year. Advent was the one time in my childhood, kind of in my in my upbringing, where religion slash faith slash Christianity was actually brought into our home and not just time we spent in church on Sundays. So we went to church growing up, but we went to church. That was really it. Um, But my mom, uh, years ago before, you know, when I was young and I don't remember, put together um, what she called a, a children's or a family Advent program to be done in the home. So we did that. It's it's a reading. It's a song we sing. It's explaining what the candles mean. It's um, you know the 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 theme for the week, which of course is hope um, on this first Advent Sunday. And and so in that sense, I, I, until I joined the Catholic Church, I don't think I knew that this was the beginning of the liturgical year. I didn't realize that. I didn't even realize. I think that the church had a liturgical year or a, a, a season. In that sense, um, but for me, Advent was just a a very um, just kind of a nice faith filled feeling. I would say I don't think I actually knew that it was you know I don't think I knew I loved it because faith was being brought into our home. Uh, but it was a really neat time in my in my upbringing was celebrating Advent. That was a huge part of my childhood. Um, again, not being raised by Catholic parents. Um, 
I, you know, other people, I know other religions, other Christian religions celebrate Advent as well. But so I guess it's both. I, but I don't think I knew that it was my favorite liturgical part of the year. Um, but it is definitely my favorite part of the calendar year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it spawns for me the question then what, I mean, what a great realization and just what you're naming, like what is, in what ways is faith brought into our homes? You know, and I think that's a really good question for families, for a married couple, for parents, right? Because you're talking about, yeah, the way you experience faith, right, is this expression of communal worship. But then some of these traditions, that's really cool. So, yeah, you know, yeah. and I will say that is, um, you know, we're all evolving in our faith, we're all still growing. Um, you know, we're all at different places at different times in our life. But I also remember, you know, it's one of the things, one of the reasons I love my nativity so much, and we can talk about that as well, or maybe we'll save that for another week. But, you know, I had, when I was, when I was a young mom, um, you know, when my kids were young, 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 I was part of a mother's Bible group at our church um, when we first got married or when I first had James. And, you know, that was all new to me too, right? It was kind of this mom's group, but it was the only mom's yeah. group I could find and it happened to be at my church. And I remember very specifically one of the moms saying in one of our discussions, when someone walks into your house, how long does it take them to realize mm -hmm. you're a Christian household, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're Catholic. You know, you walk into our home and of course, you know, for many of us who are Notre Dame alums, you see Notre Dame stuff or even that's outside if it's a flag or um, you know, so we, we share so much of what we value outwardly in, in how we present ourselves or our homes. Um, yeah. and so I've always really thought about that. Um, yeah. it, it would, I mean, it's, and I've always made a, therefore a conscious effort for people to know when they walk into our home, we are a Christian household, not for any no. other reason, and not, not that one's, you know, there's one religion that's, um, you know, better than another, or I'm Christian and you're not. Um, but it's just, if that's important to me, it should, my home should reflect that. Um, so I guess I feel that way about um, faith as well. If, if we're just living out our faith on Sundays, it's not really that important to us then. Yeah, yeah, right. And yeah, it needs to, I, I guess what I'm hearing you say is um, what's like Ignatius of Loyola always says, love shows itself in deeds, right? Like it's an active verb mm -hmm. and it's sort of like faith is too. And it's not just, you know, our works of, you know, mercy or, you know, giving to those in need or prayer, but also like shows itself in art or right in the celebration of yet yeah, timely I don't know, I'm just thinking about this Advent season and the signs of it, it literally signs with the Advent wreath, right? And um, the manger without the Christ child in it. So I think it's a great question um, for us to consider this Advent. What are the ways that faith is brought into our homes? So maybe this Advent, that could be something that we all, you know, maybe be intentional about. Um, just as a side, you know, note in response to this, this is my question for you and our listeners so I went to my St. Vincent de Paul this morning for Sunday in Advent, and the wreath was out, and so was two Christmas trees and an altar full of poinsettias. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the manger was there, the crush, you know, and again, the Christ child was not there. I was shocked, Haley, because usually it's plain. 
until Christmas day. And there's that marking and it was covered in poinsettias. And I don't know, I felt like this is the one place that has not, you know, bought into the commercial pre-season of Christmas. And you could say that's old school and that's, you know, not the way it should be, but I, did appreciate that the priest, the presider actually addressed the issue. So he preached on, you know, the gospel, which we'll talk about in our spiritual stew. But he said, you know, I want to thank the ladies guild for their, the beauty they've extended to this church with the poinsettias and the trees. And he said, you know, the world celebrates Christmas, obviously now until, you know, and almost like Christmas ends December 25th. He said, but that's not how it is in the church. It starts on December 25th. Right. And so we're just trying to meet in the middle. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> we're enjoying the beauty of the Christmas season. But I, my mom's like, you've got to let that go and just don't be so stodgy. But I don't know. I, I kind of want, if it's, if Advent means coming and anticipation, like, what am I, other than I get it, I get it. I'm obviously anticipating the birth of our Lord. But it's like those signs or those ways that faith is, you know, expressed or, you know, symbols and sacraments, like I need them in due time. I don't know. Am I being too stodgy? No, no, you're just, you're just being with what you know and you've been comfortable with, right? So, you know, of course we have our tradition where we decorate for Christmas on Thanksgiving night. And that stems from a story I've told many times 20 years ago. Uh, you know, 20 years ago on Thanksgiving, I was very, very pregnant with my first son. And I said to my husband, if we're decorating for Christmas, we're doing it tonight or it's not going to happen. And so we did. We decorated for Christmas the night of Thanksgiving after we had eaten and clear all the dishes and put everything away. And we've done that every year since then. It's just kind of our thing. And in some ways, I love it from just a practical non-religious or anything standpoint it means that after we eat we're not sitting down and taking a nap on the couch or you know laying around the rest of the night we're active we're up and down the stairs a million times you know lugging the bins and being very active Um, so I've actually really appreciated that part of it I loved it when our kids were younger because they would go to bed and it was Thanksgiving and they would wake up the next morning and it was magically Christmas Um, so I love that part of it too but, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing you saying is that you probably aren't decorated for Christmas in your home right now. I love that decorations for me, whether it's Christmas lights, whether it's poinsettias, interestingly enough, our church isn't decorated and I didn't note that today. So clearly that's yeah. the norm. Um, yeah. I probably would have noticed had it been, yeah. but I don't know if yep. it would have bothered me because for me, the Christmas season has begun. And for me, that is the decorations and the celebration of it. Now, maybe that's me being too commercialized. um, But, you know, again, it's one of the reasons I'm very intentional with all my nativities. I make sure that every single room in our house has at least one nativity. And again, I guess that's maybe my way of justifying, yes, I'm being very decorative with this celebration, but... I'm going to make sure that we're also recognizing and honoring what this season means. So is the Christ child in your nativity scene? Well, so with some of them, he's attached. So you're either putting out the manger or you're not putting it out. You got to go no manger. Yeah, you just have to. So that, you know, again, that is not how I was raised. So we always had a crush growing up and we had actually two. There was one in our living room that 
um, we were not allowed to touch. That was like my mom's. And then okay. we had one that we could play with. And so I played at, like a dollhouse with this children's nativity set huh. all month of August or all month of December. Um, yeah. and, and so part of that was telling the story of the nativity and then of course having baby Jesus there. So again, it wasn't until I was an adult and converted to Catholicism, went to church and realized baby Jesus doesn't show up till Christmas. I, baby Jesus for me was always around during Advent. Um, baby Jesus. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, mm -hmm. again, that's, that's just part of how I was raised. Does that make it right? No, yeah, that's no, just kind of where yeah, we are. Yeah. But I will say when I put out all those nativity scenes, you know, and some of them are one piece together, right? So it's like a hand carved one piece of wood that's carved. That is, um, you know, the stable and Mary and Joseph and Jesus are, it's all connected. So I, I would have to not put that whole piece out. Um, but the pieces that were, you could put baby Jesus there. I, it, I paused and I thought, do we not put them out? And I thought, well, I'm putting them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know because other than for you, I mean, right? I mean, I I think in the church, it's like absolutely again, it's a bit for your for your home. I mean, yeah. So it's not a deal breaker by any stretch of the imagination. It's but, just but for some people, should, it might be, and I yeah. respect that too. Yeah, sure. I get it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm sure so. people would be appalled by. Um, you know, me playing with baby Jesus when I was a child. And, but that yeah. was how, I, that was, that was, that was, that was Advent and our faith in the home. And, um, you know, I loved yeah. it. That was important to me. So this weekend is always a big weekend on the West Coast for Notre Dame fans. Um, the Irish are always either in Palo Alto against Stanford or USC in Southern California. So they get a West Coast visit. Usually they're trying to recruit and, it's great because, you know, for those of us out here in that, you know, Pacific time zone, yeah. sometimes we feel a little left out. So last night was the final home game of Stanford's senior game, which I love that tradition. We've talked a little bit about that. And Notre Dame um, won 45 to, right, 14. And, you know, it just wasn't an exciting game. So I do make that distinction. It was a great win, but was it a great game? Part of me says a great game is when both teams like equally compete and push each other to be better and, you know, reach for more. So um, that's my personal bias on that. But it was interesting because the game was at five and um, where my tailgate was with a bunch of friends, um, friend from two years ahead of me and his sister kind of hosted and we've all, all a bunch of us come together kind of the marker, you know, like anyone who tailgates, it's kind of like, what are the things that you can point to for people walking by? So it's flagpole with U.S. flag, and underneath it was a flag with um, an Indian, an American Indian. And I looked at it, and I thought, that's interesting, because the American Indian depicted on this flag is the Indian that was the Stanford mascot up until the 70s. So today, Stanford is known as the Stanford Cardinal, so they don't actually have a mascot in the sense of mascot means like, um, like pet or like, you know, toy almost like that's kind of how they came to be, so to speak. Um, they're just represented by the color Cardinal red because in the seventies, um, some native American students 
had said, we don't want to be represented this way. So it had changed. And they had actually had a student who had played the role of this American Stanford Indian, you know, so to speak for many years. So I just thought it was interesting that that was the flag. And then also for clarification, Stanford has this tree, which has been voted the worst mascot in all, one of the worst mascots in all sports, but the tree is actually the mascot for the band. And the band is like, I don't I mean, they're just so. They're just the Stanford band. If you either know, you know, you know, and if you don't, you can find out. I don't, (laughs) yeah. Right. They're they're themselves. Yes. So I just thought that was interesting choice because I don't know. I just was surprised that that's what they chose as the flag in a time where, you know, we are trying to, I mean, you know, change and make things more appropriate and, um, you know, culturally sensitive and whatnot. And mascots to me, the whole thing is just super interesting. Um, you know, the choices that we make, cause for example, some teams, like the New York Yankees, they don't have a mascot. They just are the Yankees. Like, that's it. You don't Mm. see, like, I don't know, a Yankee dressed up. They're just, they have a team name. That's where it ends, right? Right. And Stanford has this color, which is kind of like go Cardinal, not Cardinals. So it's just an interesting expression. And again, these people express themselves through that. And I thought, huh, okay, you know. You know, that it's super interesting. First of all, I didn't know that, the tree was just the mascot for the band. So I didn't know that. I knew there was a tree involved. It didn't know it was just for the band. I didn't know about the Cardinal. (laughs) I didn't know the Cardinal, not Cardinals. And, um, but I didn't know that they used to be the Indians. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I, I I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. What I do think could be happening is, um, you know, and of course I live in the world of, on the East coast of the Washington football team. That's a big discussion, hot topic across the country and in the NFL, but certainly where I am here, where you have a number of Washington football team fans, right. Who are still wearing their former Redskins gear. So that's, that's been a topic of frequent conversation in the circles here. But, you know, one thing I think could be happening is because we are, moving towards in the right direction, you know, in, in, in a direction I agree with, you know, being more culturally sensitive there, there is this backlash of people who then yeah. go the other direction. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, those, whoever, those fans who hung that, who even made that flag, I don't know if it's an original flag from the seventies right. know, yeah. or, or if yeah. it's, you know, a new version of it that came back up it very well could be someone who, let's say 10 years ago, didn't really care that Stanford used to be the Indians and now they're the Cardinal. But because we are moving in one direction and people are therefore running the other direction as fast as they can, maybe ran quickly to go get that Indian flag because it's just the popular thing to do. And Oh, it's exhausting sometimes, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and of course, when all of this, these topics come up, people bring up the fighting Irish and, you know, I just, I love Notre Dame just takes this stance of, you know, really educating people on where that came from and what it means and who we are and, um, you know, that it's not in any way intended to be derogatory, nor do people take it that way. Um, yeah. But it's, that is interesting, you know. Yeah. 
that yeah, I mean, with the group of students who said we're going to use it against people who've been prejudiced toward us. So they were saying they made fun of the Irish and they said, you know, we are the fighting Irish. And they like literally used it as they turned it on itself. Right. Like, like a rallying cry. Fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. So point of pride. Um, and so that would be different if like, if this, you know, the student body at Stanford who were Indians were like, no, this is empowering us. You know, and it's it's always a question of like who decides, right? So, right. Um, but I, I don't know if, if the average person. The only reason I knew I recognized this Indian because again, this was in the fifty. I mean, no, in the seventies, so the early, mid seventies. Obviously, some Stanford people would recognize it, but that's you know forty plus years ago. Right. So I only knew about it because I teach about it. So I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. That's just so interesting. So. Um, you know, part of sports culture and lore, but always fun to host, always fun to have people out, you know, and always fun to see a win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like the colliding of your two worlds, right? You have your Notre Dame world and your daily world. And those are all, are always fun when they come together. So I'm glad you had a great weekend. I'm glad Notre Dame got the win. Of course. Um, You know, we are in the midst of this crazy college football playoff rankings. And, um, you know, we'll just have to kind of see what happens. There's always a lot of talk about that, but you know, it more than anything, as much as we love football, it is Advent and, you know, I, I love Advent more. I really do. Um, so one of the things that you had mentioned, and is this, is this program called sacred spaces that Notre Dame does. And, I think this is the third year they've done it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the fourth. I think it's the third. You're right. And I keep, even last year, I remember thinking, oh gosh, are they going to run out of places to show? <laughs> um, and they haven't. And then, you know, even starting today, they came up with, um, you know, kind of some neat places. So if you Google Notre Dame Sacred Spaces, it's something you can subscribe to. It gets emailed or texted to you every day. Um, I loved, you know, today was the first one and it was particularly kind of fun and meaningful for me. It was Father Pete McCormick, who lives in Bomber Hall, which is the dorm my son lives in. And he, you know, the Bomber Hall was shown in it. He talks about the fields that are right there, the bookstore basketball courts. Um, you know, again, any place that's at Notre Dame can kind of seem like home. But, um, you know, for the past year and a half, that has been my son's home. So it was kind of fun to hear and see, but a really great series, just a different take on Advent, which I love, you know, it's creative, it's clever, it's meaningful. Um, It's not just the daily gospel reflection, which I love and appreciate as well. Um, But it it gives a nice visual to, to people who can't get to campus as well. But today's gospel, I think we both found um, spoke to us. So I'll let you kick that off and we can talk about the gospel. Yeah, no, I, um, I was thinking, you know, it, it, it prompts a number of questions, you know, um, from Luke, you know, the message is, you know, be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tri- the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the son of man, constant reminders to pay attention, stay awake, be alert. Right. And this is really going to be a theme in Advent is this again, pay attention, be alert, take note, take heed. And, you know, it's speaking to our lives and how we live our lives. And, um, 
you know, for me, it's just a couple of thoughts. There's just been a lot of different things. Um, for example, in the Bay Area, we've had just some um, syndicated group robberies, mm-hmm. looting. Like, so for example, in Wanna Creek, where I grew up, 80 people ran into Nordstrom, crowbars, ski masks, goggles, stole like $40,000 of stuff. Wow. Louis Vuitton in San Francisco, eight people looting a store, San Jose, Hayward, again, all these just these rash, um, but organized robberies. So you just, nobody feels safe, right? That's what that causes, um, a lot of fear. And then um, St. Francis, our football team was in a football game, CCS finals on Friday night, two minutes, 48 seconds left in the game, gunshots, outside of the stadium now we were at a neutral site we were not at st francis we would have been the host because we were the higher seed um in campbell california i mean campbell is a nice you know suburb um but gunshots to the point where students like players ran to an end zone other students were lying down and um you see that and you're just like come on you know a lot of fear um you just can't take anything for granted so I'm always cognizant of the fact of like one of the titles for Christ is redeemer and we're celebrating, you know, him, the incarnation, like God's become flesh among us and the role in redemption, redeeming the world. And it's like, but if things are great, like you don't really need a redeemer. Like Mm, what's the need for redemption if things are perfect. And we are constantly reminded I mean, I feel that way, but I acutely feel that way with a sense of fear that the world is in need of redemption. You know, I don't want to say the words now more than ever because I think it's always been true, but these are times where uh, it just feels, um, and to go that direction, it feels more life-giving to say, okay, I have to lean into Christ. I have to turn towards Christ as my redeemer because I can't, we can't do this. I mean, obviously we need safety. We need police officers, FBI, people working, but it's like, this is organized. This is, this is not a one-off. This is big. Yeah. Yeah, That's um, so I actually read about um, the Nordstrom in Walnut Creek or, and, and maybe I had seen other ones as well, but I took note of that in particular because I didn't have Nordstrom growing up in Arizona. And that was my mom's favorite department store. So I would swim at a, a, a meet called Far Westerns when I was younger, and it was oftentimes in Walnut Creek. And we would go shop. That was like my big trip once a year when I would go to this meet and we would shop at Nordstrom in Walnut Creek. Um, and I remember when I read about that a couple of weeks ago thinking, that, that's, um, that is a nice area. That's an upscale area. That's not... Yeah. a place one would think might have that type of crime. But to hear what you're saying, that this is pervasive, that it's happening, mm-hmm. that that wasn't, you know, an isolated interest or incident, that that's terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. That is that is fearful. Southern California too, apparently. Yeah. The so, cars are stolen. Yeah. And they go in and, you know, there's things that, you know, Haley, part of me is like, is it because there's a resale market out there? You know, like... So they ran into San Rafael, they went into the Apple store. I mean, you can resell those products. Like yeah. you can resell the Louis Vuitton purse on eBay or on the real real. I mean, there's a market for all of this stuff. Yeah. And that also is where I get down because I ask myself this question all the time. 
and it's not necessarily like right here in the gospel, but it's like, do I put my security in money or do we put it in the Lord? And every person has to ask themselves, where do they put their security? Because it might not just be in money. It could be in fame, right? But right. it's like security comes from God alone. Um, but money is certainly one of the big draws in our culture. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I th- it's also interesting to me, you know, we we read and hear the gospel through the lens of where we are in our lives, right? So you heard today's gospel and... Um, you know, you, you, you read it and hear it through the lens of this fear that's going on in your community right now. Um, you know, I heard it a little different and, you know, again, one's not right or wrong for me. I think it's just fascinating hearing what, yeah. what you took from it and what I did, you know, for me, it's, it's more of that reminder to just be present, um, you know, to, to be aware, to be in the moment, um, to, to really look and find, um, you know, God, Jesus, however we want to view it, um, as opposed to getting caught up in all of the minutia and the craziness of the season. So I'm moving into this month of anticipation, you know, this season of Advent, trying to be mindful and very aware that I can get caught up in, I mean, I have already started making my Christmas card list and I know I'm making checklists of everything I need to do. And I've gone through my gift closet to see what I've bought all year and what do I still need to buy? I am very aware that I can get caught up in that. And, and it's all very lovely and it's all, you know, a meaningful part of the season, but I hear this gospel and I think, okay, I need to strip it down to the basics and just be present um, Mm -hmm. and be prepared, right? Be vigilant at all times. Be aware, you know, that, you know, Jesus could show up at any moment and am I going to see him, right? Because, you know, there's, it's just like miracles, right? God is everywhere. We just have to open our eyes to see his presence in our lives. Um, so, So for me, that's what I'm hearing is I... I need to just take a moment every day and make sure, you know, beyond watching sacred spaces and beyond, you know, reading the gospel in the morning and the reflection throughout the day, I need to be vigilant at all times that um, this is, this is really a time of reflection and anticipation of really this greatest gift that we've received as Christians. Yeah, no, it is. It's something I don't know that we can hear it enough. I think because it's, I think it's a hard message. You know, it's, it is, it's so easy to get distracted. And in my blog today, I was writing about um, Gabe Kapler, the manager for the Giants. And I I think distraction is the enemy of excellence. You know, like it's just the, the truth. So to live our best selves, to be our best selves, like, I think we need to be present and in yeah relationship with others and aware. And I think that's our best selves, but it's, it can be very hard. So um, the Advent's maybe the season to just slow down. And, you know, they said the coming could be, do we, do we live with this season of coming with anticipation or do we live with fear, you know, and it's probably both for many of us, but um you know, anything that's coming, you know, there's almost like a rightful fear. Like I'm sure when you were pregnant with your first, like there should be a little bit of fear probably. I mean, it's overwhelming. 
ask at hand or I don't know. It doesn't have to paralyze us though. Yeah. No, no, it does yeah. not have to yeah. paralyze us. And that, you know, that is actually something I think about this a lot in a very basic practical standpoint, right? We are anticipating the the birth of Jesus that we all know that that's something to celebrate. It's a, it's a, you know, a reverent time. It's a holy time. You know, should we fear that, you know, the one side of my brain says, no, right? This is not something to be fearful of. This is something to really look forward to and celebrate on the flip side. If God or Jesus showed up in my room right now, you could bet I would be scared, right? Like the yeah. actual the actual physical presence of God showing up in front of us. Um, yeah, I think it'd scare the bejeebus out of me. Um, you know, so would I be would I be fearful? Yes, I might be fearful. Um, but I don't think we should live our lives being fearful. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be the yeah. most amazing. But here's a question. Thing. Not about the word bejesus, because then I'm like, huh, I wonder what the iterate the roots of that word is. But like, I don't know. Like, part of me says, like, if I really am going to follow Jesus, like, no, no, like my false security in money, in whatever safety, like to really be a Christian, to really live as Jesus told us. I do think it's I think it's scary. It means denying yourself. It means taking up your cross, like to, and you know, ultimately to give it to God, you know, the, your redeemer. But I don't know. Part of me is just like, that is, that is a real challenge. And I I think, you know, the last few months I've been thinking about, you know, life and what brings real joy. And I think, you know, what our world tells us brings joy. I do find a conflict between what my faith tells me joy, where I will find joy and what our culture tells us. And I'm trying to like navigate both some somehow. But if I lean towards Christ, I I think I'll be happier, but I think it might be harder. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it would be harder. But you know, I yeah. also really and and then you know the Bible tells us this in so many places, probably more so in the Old Testament, but um, you know, there there is this sense of fearing God. Um, but I don't yeah. get the sense and, yeah. and maybe this is, you know, why, why Jesus was born and why he was sent. Right. I don't get the sense, or maybe I just don't want to have this sense, or, um, maybe it's what I'm choosing to see or believe. I don't believe that God truly wants us to live in fear. Um, right. Yeah. So that's, that's clearly yeah. a man-made emotion. Um, yeah. You know, as everything is, right? Even what we read in the Bible, it's written by men. Um, so, you know, that's all an interpretation that a man has had or human, but man. Um, so, but I don't, I don't think God, I don't think, I don't think they want, yeah. God would want us to live in fear. Right? That's the message yeah. from the angel. Right. That's the do not be afraid. Too. Right. Yeah. Be afraid. I mean, really. So you're you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. But it's, those are all our emotions. Right. We have our own conflict. Uh, yeah. it, I think that's what we can't do it alone. I mean, I think we need others because you know God has no hands but our hands. And that's part of it. It's like the fears might be real, but other people can help us, you know. And yeah, I hope. 
Yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, my takeaway for the week, um, well, I think we both need to look up, I, you know, it came out of my mouth without even thinking about it, but, but Jesus. So let's, let's, let's look into that and see where that came from. Um, I might be afraid to know what I just said. Um, but I am really going to try to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to slow down and be present this week. And, you know, in all of the decorations that I see in my home, as I'm driving around, I, I am, you know, if I could put Christmas lights up in every room, I would, I love Christmas lights, but what I need to see is that is, are the lights as Jesus is the light of the world and not just pretty Christmas lights. So that's going to be my challenge for this week is to see, the faith and the goodness in the commercial parts of this holiday we are about to celebrate. Yeah. And I, I'm going to spend a little time. So one, I love the, the slow down. That was an episode. I think it was maybe two episodes ago. Slow down or you will be slowed down. Yes. Right. That was part of our conversation. So yes. I think that's a great reminder. Um, I'm going to sit with the question that you raised kind of what are the ways that faith is brought into our home? Um, maybe consider what that means. And then um, I will be spending this week thinking about the life of a Jesuit priest, Father Tony Sauer. He was the president of St. Ignatius for many years. He is really the person who hired me. He died and he was 86 years old. And I'm telling you, Haley, and I'll blog about him, but I, there is, I, I would take a bullet for him, but I wouldn't need to because there were so many people that would have done it for for me or whoever. Those yeah. people, beloved, beloved. And why was he beloved? Um, totally generous. So, for example, you'd say, hey, you know, James is going to be confirmed this uh, Saturday. Um, our parish is short on help. He'd open up his pocket calendar and he'd be like, what time is it at? Two o'clock? I'll be there. You know, like totally availed himself. Um, was an incredible letter writer. I always wrote letters to uh, faculty, family members, like really the ministry of letter writing. Um, but for me personally, before I got hired, I wasn't sure if I was going to get the job. And the principal said, yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, apply next year. We think you're great. And Tony like says, you know, what, Anne, don't lose hope. Don't ever lose hope. And honestly, like a weird confluence of events occurred and I got the job and, um, that changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, really. So, um, what a great message to give somebody, you know, don't yes. lose hope. Don't let hope. Right. Yes. So, so I would like to just this week, think about his legacy and the lessons that I learned from father, father Tony. So, well, and to take the way his generosity of spirit and, and channel it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, availing yourself to others in that way. That's huge. Literally, it yeah, is so huge. It's, huge. it's very hard to do. Yeah. Right? So um, we wish our our Jewish friends a happy Hanukkah. Um, it's early this started. year. Yes. Okay, that's right. That's yes, right. Yes. First yeah. night of Hanukkah. Okay. Um, we wish our Christian friends a blessed first Advent Sunday. It is yeah. the the Sunday of hope. Um, and what a great message that, you know, Father Tony shared a perfect one to share on this first Sunday. Is that really the message of the Sunday? Well, you know, there's, there's a theme for each yeah. week in Advent. Yeah. yeah. And today is hope. That's so perfect. Yes. Yeah. So, Anne, have a great week. I wish you peace and presence and, um, presence, not with a T, but presence. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but in due time for that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I look forward to connecting next week. I do too. Thanks, Haley.
stay safe.